in uh, I've been re- actually been reading. I don't know whether anybody picked up this book from uh, Ted Alexander. He actually is the author of it. It's called Americans Foundations Laid by the Baptist. Um, sounds like a proud statement, but uh, it's really because we are so ignorant and it's not taught in public schools. Zip zero zilch. Uh, the awakening and the great awakening um, and the influence that it had upon America in essence i.e. the influence it's had on us um, are you being here brother? they're on I think well this one's not oh okay um, the fact that it's not taught is is something that well I'll just give you a, I'll just read a little and then I want to just kind of review and I'll talk about this again tonight is just how as the Bible teaches that we're the, supposed to be the salt and the light of the earth um, this this uh, truth is really kind of something that I knew and I've I actually uh, have uh, done a pretty extensive study on history itself. And the reason I bring that up is because probably in some ways what God is doing in this world is really is the greatest degree is accomplished by been by Bible believing Baptist people. Uh, it's just not heralded. It's not talked about in history. But the it, it, we just literally would not have the same country would not have even close to the same liberties if it weren't for the believers that have gone on before us is what I'm trying to say and uh, it just I guess to say that sometimes we need to be refreshed in our thinking to realize that what the passion that we should have and need to maintain is really not just for our good but it's going to be for the good of our for the coming generations it really is and so you can't as challenging as it may seem as difficult in in day in day out effort it it is as we sing this the song it will be worth it all Uh, you say you love your kids well in essence do you love your grandkids and your your kids your great-grandchildren and if you do, then you, it behooves us to say, you know, for their sake, I need to be as right with God as possible, and I need to, to go forward and in my Christian life. And that means that we have to kind of dig in. We've got to be able to say, what is the will of God? How, do, how can I grow? How can I be more of a Christian than I was the year before? Um, spiritual maturity... Let me say this: spiritual maturity is just like like growing. You want your you want your six year old to act like he's twenty. You know, he's, it ain't gonna happen. You can wish all you want; he's still six years old, and he's gonna go through what a six year old goes through, and and what a seven, then eight, and all the way up until he's and and that's that that's that gradual maturity. You keep you keep working on him and praying for him or her and. And you keep being an example. You keep dealing with the same issues that you've dealt with, and and at some point, you know they're going to mature. They're going to they're going to reach that age where they're beginning to connect all the dots of all the things that you've taught them through their life, and uh, and the rewards are not just the temporal, t- uh, but they're timeless. When we're not talking about a lifetime, we're talking about eternity. The effect of your Christian life is of eternal value. And uh, I want to just uh, mention this kind of a little. Uh, uh, how many have heard of Sandy Creek Baptist Church? Wow, that really does tell me we're, we're, we're in trouble. All right, Sandy Creek Baptist Church is really. How many have heard of the Bible Belt? Bible Belt. Well, it should be called the Baptist Belt, what it should be called. And that was literally 
uh, started and, may, and, and came out of this by the Sandy Creek Baptist Church. And it's, out, it's in central South Carolina. I don't know how far it is from Wilson where Brother uh, uh, Kenny, Kenny's at. But it's, it, it's Sandy. I don't even think the, there's a building there now. There might be a memorial uh, placard or something where the church used to be. But I want to just read a little bit of the <clears throat> of uh, out of this book, and of course it's been condensed, and it's I, I mean it's but it says um, this is ben, David Benedict recorded. Sandy Creek Church is the mother of all separatist Baptists. From this Zion went forth the word, and great was the company of them who published it, insomuch that her converts were as drops of morning dew. This church. In 17 years was spread her branches westward as far as Great River, Mississippi, southward as far as Georgia, eastward as far as the Sea of the Chesapeake Bay, northward to the waters of the Potomac. In 17 years became the mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother of 42 churches from which sprang 125 ministers. Now, there's not a place there where Sandy Creek is anymore. I mean, there's a place, but it's, there's not a, not a church building there in existence. What I say there is we could take a little bit of a look at our own church history. And, you know, of course, uh, uh, you know, we have the Sadarsky family that's been influenced by, uh, with their preacher's uh, sons out there, uh, my own sons, you know, as well. Um, and uh, even my uh, daughter and her uh, husband, you know, and, you know, they've had their influence and effect and continue to be useful. Um, we have, uh, from this uh, church, we have had a part in uh, Brother Fontenot's work. All right. Uh, we have, uh, uh, not only that, Brother Courtney came out of this church. And we, we don't think about that, but in, in essence... Um, you know, 56 years, you know, we, we sometimes we, we, we get to looking uh, uh, too short-sighted, if I can put it that way. And we need to recognize that, that that's the devil's work to make us think that we're insignificant. And, and that's a lie. Uh, that, is a, that is a tremendous lie of the devil. You know, the, you, you count in... in uh, uh, in the city of Chicago alone, those that that are really going to stand on the on the biblical truth, King James Bible, separated, uh, living by faith, and, and it's you're going to find there's not a lot. But I I promise you, those that maintain a faithful course, God will bless. And that's what I want to encourage you this morning. Uh, if you take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter number seventeen. I want you to recognize that the anniversary and, and that uh, that we're celebrating today is, uh, I think, it's been maintained, and I think it will continue to be maintained by our Lord Jesus Christ. But it is important for you to understand that there that we, there is a battle going on, and there is a battle for your mind in this and in your heart for this. And if we understand that there's a, there's a battle, we understand there's a challenge, then I think we're better prepared to, to recognize and not lose heart or not get discouraged in that effort. In Luke chapter number 17, this is uh, the verse we're going to read this morning, starting in verse number 11. Let's stand as we read the Word of God together. Luke chapter 17. Starting in verse number 11. The Bible says, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he had saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests, And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, 
when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice and glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus answering and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise and go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, your plan, your purpose is glorious. Father, your church is glorious. And Father, that it will continue to be uh, the pillar and the ground of truth. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to maintain a faithful and steady course. Lord, that these years that multiply uh, as we live, uh, that Father, it would be looked upon as, as, uh, as something that you have done and, and something you have honored. And uh, I pray that, Father, that it would bring glory and honor to you, Father. Uh, Lord, we would, as your people, maintain a faithful course. We ask for your help and strength. Uh, recognizing there is opposition to that. And Lord, that we, and no matter what the opposition is, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We ask your blessing. We pray that you'd be with Caesar and Lupe, Father, as they go through this uh, difficult time. Strengthen them, Father. That your name would be lifted up and your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. If I were going to give it a message title, I don't know what's the best title. But it simply is, Where Are the Nine? Will you, will I, will we be the exception to the rules? The question. I think Jesus looked at that healing of those lepers... And really, it, it's, it set him back, I think, to some degree, though the Lord knows everything. Is that a simple question was, where are the nine? And in a sense, if you ask ourselves the same question, is, is are we going to be a part of that minority that recognizes who the Lord is and what the Lord has done? And I think if you look at the whole chapter of Luke, chapter 17, you'll see that he led up to this, I think this illustration that we see here is that it is a, a, a serious thing that, that sometimes can affect every, every believer if they're not aware of it. Luke chapter number 1, Luke chapter number 17, verse number 1. He starts off here when, when the, uh, the uh, disciples uh, mentioned to him, he says, then he said, is it impossible that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for, for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and they were cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Verse 3 says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day, seven times in a day, turn again to thee and saying, I repent, thou shalt what? Forgive. Let me give you the first thing I think is important. If we're going to be that one that returns to give thanks. If we're going to be that church that continues to go forward, we're going to be an individuals that it's going to be an exception to the rule. Todd prayed this morning if we might see another 50 years. In my mind, in my flesh, and carnal mind, I think, boy, that's impossible. I don't see how that could ever happen. But God takes the things that are impossible with men and makes them what? It makes it possible with him. Wouldn't it be good to know that for your children, maybe for your grandchildren as well, there might be a, a gospel witness that's true and faithful. 
a gospel witness that would continue to send out men and women and, and uh, young people to serve him, not just in a calling to be a pastor or a pastor's wife or something of that kind or a deacon, but somebody to be faithful to serve God in a local assembly. Let me give you the first thought I have this morning from Luke chapter 1 through 4. The power to continue is the power not to be offended. The power to be con- to, <clears throat> to continue is the power not to be offended or offend. He says here that offenses will come. That if you're going to be a part of a church, and you're going to be in the Christian world, you're going to be a part, there's going to be offenses come. And you know, many times people get offended to the degree, well, I'm just not going to come anymore, and I'm just not going to participate anymore. And I, or if I do, it's going to be kind of uh, 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 in the shadows. You're offended. But there's not only the call not to be offended, but also there's a call not to offend. I believe with all of my heart, when he was teaching about the nine, I believe he was teaching his disciples. Listen, there's going to be times and difficulties and challenges to the Christian life. Just get used to it. Know how to deal with it. Number one, you say, how do I deal with offenses? First of all, if it's big enough, not to get over it, then you need to deal with it. You need to deal with it like he says here, by faith. If someone has offended you, what should you do? Come on. Go to them. If it's big enough that you can't get over it, then that's something that you need to say, you know what, There's some, this is something by faith. I need to go to that person. I, I need to just sit down and have a, a conversation with them and, and, and all humility of mind and heart and say, you know, I probably offended others myself. I just kind of need to work this out with them so that this relationship isn't hindered. And listen, if your relationship is hindered with another believer, then your relationship's hindered with the Lord. You realize that that changes your whole demeanor in the the church. You can't be what you want to be because something has happened to you that you haven't dealt with in a proper way. Matthew 18 gives us what the Bible says we need to do if if you've been trespassed against. And Jesus goes the full extent. Think about what he's saying here. He says, if you need to say, I, I need to challenge them in the, in the way they behaved and what they did, and, and, and it, to the degree that you've got to be able to say, I need to say a rebuke. I don't know about you. How many of you have ever been rebuked? Did you like it? Huh? Oh, it was a fun time, Pastor. I just enjoyed it. One of the best occasions I ever had. Somebody came up and told me that I wasn't doing right. You know, if you're going to be in a church, you've got to get used to the idea of rebu- being rebuked. If you do something you shouldn't do, and someone in with all, maybe they don't come to you in, in a perfect manner, you've got to be able to accept, it doesn't matter how they approached me, and maybe they did it right, maybe they didn't do it right. The main thing you need to ask is, did I do what they said? And if I did, I need to say what? I apologize. I was wrong. How often does that happen in a church? How often? Doesn't happen very often, does it? It's not taken care of. So what generally happens is instead of an offended person dealing with it and the, and the offender being dealt with, it just goes on and, and, and infects and, and, and it just and undermines that uh, relationships in the church. Guess what? It not only is between the, the two that, that was a, the offender and the, and the one that was offended, 
But listen, that poison also filtered back and is now affecting your children. Your neighbors, the people that God wanted to, to be a blessing to you, because you did not get over it, all of a sudden it's infected all of your Christian life to some degree or another. How I many you think your children know when some issue has happened in the church? Do they know? Do they see your, your change in spirit, your change in attitude? Yes, they do. There's going to be a positive influence that they are feeling and being affected by? Absolutely not. There's a second thing we got here. Sometimes we're offended, but you say in your mind, well, it's not that big a deal. I, got, I can't really go to them about that. I mean, it's just such a little thing. Then what do we need to do? Help me out. You need to pray for them, pray for yourself, and get over it. If it's not big enough to go to them and talk to them about it and it's not a big, that big a deal, then you just are wearing your feelings on your cuff and you need to get over it. By the grace of God, I need to move on with this. Sometimes people are just waiting for somebody to put that little block you put on your shoulder. Go ahead, knock it off. Watch me get offended, right? Show, I'll show you just how I feel. You say, why is this important? Because remember, the ones that remain, remember what Jesus taught, the ones that remain are exception to the rule. Look at this. Look, I, go, I ask you to go back in your own spiritual history and look at all the people that you once knew that were a part of the church or a part of the ministry and say, where'd they go? What happened to them? Either they were offended because they didn't deal with it, it wasn't big enough to go to somebody about, they didn't spiritually get it over by the grace of God, or they didn't deal with it the way they should have and, and went and rebuked and seen if that person couldn't have grown in grace in themselves and in that relationship. You know, if you've done something wrong, just to go back a little bit, you've done something wrong, you need to thank that person for mentioning it. Wow, Pastor, you know how much humility of heart and mind it would take to thank somebody for being, uh, being rebuked? I bet I could count on one hand. I don't even know if I could count on one hand the number of people that thanked me when I had to deal with something in their life. Most of the time they get mad at me. Again, you have to ask yourself, do you, we, we want to be one of the nine? then you've got to ask, tell to yourself, I will never, ever deal with offenses in a wrong way. Offenses, how many, what does the Bible say? Will offenses come? They will come. And then you need to say to yourself, I am promising God that I will deal with offenses one way or another. Either I'll get over it or I'll get right with that person by dealing with it in a proper way. Secondly, in chapter 17, verse number 5, the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> I just said something to you that he told his apostles. He said, man, you just said something. I don't know. They looked at that, what he told them to do, and this is how you do it. And he said, you know what? This never happens this way. And they just said, well, now, Jesus, you're going to have to increase it. Well, there's no way. I've ever done that, and I've never seen it done that way. And they says in verse 5, increase our faith. Remember what he said to the one guy that came back that gave glory to God? He said, thy faith has made thee what? Whole. Well, you look at those disciples at this point. They looked at what Jesus said, and they said, I couldn't deal with it the way you're telling me. Did they have a whole faith? Did they have a faith that God could, that was going to be an enduring faith? Did they have a faith that God says, listen, you're going to maintain. Your children are going to maintain. Your grandchildren are going to maintain. Your church is going to maintain. Or did they look and say, this ain't going to happen? They said, it ain't going to happen. 
I'm asking you the question. What you do in your life and this, in this period of time will determine, are you listening? What will happen for your children and your grandchildren? What is this, how important is this faith thing you keep talking about, Pastor? We are justified by faith. Do you realize that? The difference between people that go to heaven and the people that go to hell is faith. Well, is that a big deal? How many think that's a big deal? The grace that God gives you to be saved. The grace that God gives you to know the truth, the truth to set you free. And that liberation, you say, is it, it's not just a matter of getting along with other peoples. It's the salvation of souls. You want people to be able to see Jesus as their Savior? You want to be able to, people to recognize that what Christ did on the cross at Calvary paid the complete... You know, that seems so simple, doesn't it? I mean, we look at him as gospel people of the gospel. We think, man, it so, seems so simple. Jesus' death died for my sins. He died not for some of my sins. He died for them all. He died for them all before I was ever born. Uh, he, he died from the day I was born till the day I died when I put my trust in him. I, all the, all the uh, effort of Christ, what he did on the cross, paid my sin completely. Do you realize that's common knowledge to us? But for somebody that was raised in a Lutheran or Episcopalian or a, a, a number of any uh, Catholic church, they raised in that atmosphere, they don't understand it's a complete work of grace. And so we're going to get offended. And we're not going to have the kind of faith. Let's look at a second one. In verse number 6, the Lord said, If ye have the faith of the grain of mustard seed, you might say to the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the roots, and thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by, the, by and by when he has come from the field, Go and sit down to meet. And will not rather uh, uh, say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. He's giving them an example here. I, you, you have somebody that you're paying to, 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 to work for you, and, and, and after that person's put in a full day of, of work, uh, 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 he's given the example. He said, well, you know, you've done this uh, great thing out there in the field, and, and you've worked real hard for me. Uh, I just sit down, and I'm going to start working for you. Let me give you the second thing here. The power to continue is not only not to be offended or be an offender, but the power to continue is the ability to have the humility that real faith brings. Now listen to me. We live in a time and age where people need a pat on the back. That's what keeps them going. They need to be recognized. They need to be appreciated. They need to say, uh, oh, they don't appreciate it. Nobody else seems to be doing anything like I'm doing, and I seem to be the only one that really cares and the only one that has any interest. Second thing I want you to get, the power to continue is a power of humility. That power that he shows here he says, Doth he thank that servant? In verse 9, he did the things that were commanded of him. I trow not. So likewise ye, when you shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We are what? What kind of servants? We're unprofitable. When I, no matter what we've done, he says, the Unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. The humility that it takes to continue on and serve God, especially in a, in a small church. You realize in a small church, a lot of times, the, your, your value is so important. 
And sometimes we think we're, we're very unappreciated. We're unappreciated for the things that we do and the things that we've uh, accomplished and the things that we, and my, uh, my faithful service and my, whatever it is, we feel like we need a pat on the back. Well, you know what? There, it, I'm not underestimating the importance of showing, telling people that they're important and that you do appreciate them. I think we need to do more of it. But ultimately, listen, we're not serving necessarily one another. You understand what I'm saying? Who are we serving? We're serving the Lord. We're, our job, our responsibility of the things that we do, if you're doing it by faith, remember that's what he said, oh, help us with this faith thing. If we're doing it by faith, we're doing it out of an abundance of our desire and our heart. It isn't, I don't need somebody's recognition. I don't need somebody's pat on the back. I don't need any of that. I'm getting all that from my Lord. It's very important. If you want to continue, look at me, remind First of all, if you want to have that humility, remind, be reminded of what he's done every day. Sometimes we, we get complacent with this idea of salvation. We get complacent with this idea that we're not going to hell. We get complacent with this idea that we've been resurrected from the thinking of, that everybody else has. I think it's good. To look at those few verses that are in the Bible that talks about hell. It's just good. I, I, we, I, I, I don't know about you, I have lost family. And they, they act like lost family. And they get in so much, I mean, I think about my family alone. Half of them divorced. Kids all all messed up. None of them saved. And I'm thinking, wow, that that really should be me. That I mean, I I was cut out of the same mold. That really should be me. What saved me from that? Jesus. And I need to go back and I need to say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me from hell, saving me. <clears throat> from a life that could have been so destructive. I'm saying, where could my grandchildren, where could my children be? What, what would be their circumstances if God had not intervened? You not only need to remind yourself of what he has done, you need to remind yourself of who you're serving. So how many of you you get a little discouraged and you look around and you begin to look around at the people around you and begin to uh, judge what you see by your brothers and sisters in the Lord. At that point in time, you need to stop. And do what? I am serving who? Come on. I am serving who? I'm serving Jesus. And when the devil puts something in your heart or in your mind that makes you think otherwise, you've got to rebuke him. I am serving Jesus. <laughs> and I'm going to do it with a right motive and with a right heart and with a pure mind and a pure heart. I'm not going to serve him because I'm getting a pat on the back or I'm, I'm, I'm somebody says that I needed some kind of show of appreciation. Number three, the power to continue is the power of humility. Not only remind you what he's done, remind yourself of who you're serving, but you need to verbalize it. You need to verbalize it. Notice what he says, that Jesus says in verse 10, he says, we need to say, we likewise, when you shall have done those things which we are commanded you, you unprobably done, it was our duty to do. It is my duty. It is my responsibility. It is my privilege 
need to verbalize it. When it's done for the wrong reasons, I guarantee you, it's going to change you. Let's take a look at Matt, Luke chapter number 6, if you will. I think I've got it right. If I didn't, seems like it's, looks like it's not the right verse, but we'll see. Luke chapter number 6. Verse number 42, it says, well, let's, let's take up the whole thing. Verse number 39, he spake a parable unto them, verse number 39 of chapter 6 of Luke. He says, can a blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but every one that is perfect shall be as his master. And why beholdest thou the mote in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how can thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou, thy, when thou thyself behold not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, cast out the beam that is in thine own eye, then thou shalt see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. For a good tree bringeth forth not good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither does a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. For every tree shall be known by its fruit for thorn for of thorns men do gather figs, nor of bramble bushes gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. So we've got to verbalize this idea of why we're doing things. pure heart, a pure mind, and a pure spirit says, I am serving God, and I'm doing it joyfully, not to get no pat on the back. I'm going to serve God whether anybody appreciates it. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do the very best job I can in whatever ministry God has given me. Because I'm not doing it necessarily for others. I'm doing it for my Lord and for my Savior. I'm reminded of what he's done for me. I'm reminded of what he's continuing to do for me. I'm reminded of what he will do for me. And I'm humbled by it. Doesn't your Bible say he will never what? Leave you nor forsake you. That means that he is going to remain consistent in your life through ups and downs and ins and outs. And he's going to stay there and he's going to work with you. He's going to work with your marriage. He's going to work with your children. The power, again, of humility. How many of you think that that one that turned back understood that he said well man I need to do what I, what the Lord's asked me to do I haven't got to. no I have time to come back and say Lord I see what you've done and I know what you're going to do and I'm going to give you glory Luke chapter number 17 let me give you the last thing the power to continue is the power to go alone. That's a big one. Chapter number 17, 11 through 19. It's what we read this, this morning. The power to continue is power not to be offended or to offend. The power to continue is the power of humility. And lastly, the power to continue is the power to go alone. You know how hard it is to go alone. That is hard. 
You know, many family members don't want to go alone. Well, my mom and dad don't recognize that, or my uh, brothers and sisters don't appreciate what the Lord has done, or, or my neighbors, or, 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 or my spouse. Or uh, 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 You have to have the ability by God to go alone by faith. Because you know what God has done for you. Look with me in verse number 15 of chapter 17. He says what? And one of them, when he saw he was healed, did he look at the other nine? Did he? In verse number 15, and when he was healed, he turned what? He turned back. He didn't look at the rest of them going their way, doing their thing. He had the ability to go it alone and say, Hey, I know in my heart what is right. I know what the Lord is. And the Bible says here, in verse 15, He fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. When you turn back, let me give you some things you're going to turn your back on if you're going to continue. We're struggling as a church right now with this idea of knowing the Word of God. Uh, we're pressing on it, and we're pushing on it, and we're saying it's important, and we're trying. But the idea there, hey, no one else is doing it. Now you've got to have your ability to say, no, this is the mind of God, this is the heart of God, and this is the will of God, and there's so many promises that are attached to this. I'm going to go alone. But you've got to turn your back on something. One, you've got to turn your back on your flesh. Boo! What do you mean, pastor, turn your back on your flesh? Who's arguing with you that you have to memorize this? these verses. Come on. It's the flesh. It's, the, it's hard. I mean, Brother O saying 25 times today and, and then uh, 24 times or 23 times and then 20 times and say, wow, Pat, you realize that I'd, I'd, have to, I'd have to say that verse over and over 75 times and who are you arguing with? Does Jesus say to you you shouldn't have to do that? Is that who's arguing with you? I dare say it's probably the devil in your flesh. You've got to turn your back on your flesh. Sometimes you've got to turn your back on your family. Wow, Pastor, now you really slapped me. Sometimes family stands in the way. That's sad, isn't it? But it happens all the time. I've seen family just literally almost try to hold on to people to keep them from doing what God wants them to do. Sometimes it'll have to be your friends maybe or your neighbors. I don't know who it might be for you. But I can tell you this. You're going to have to turn your back on it. Nobody should stand in your way. I, this leper's three friends, as long as he knew them, as much as he had to do with him, said, I ain't going where they're going. I'm going where God wants me to go. Maybe the second thing you need to turn your back on, turn your back on your pride. You know, if we, if, 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 if we, if we agree with the flesh, then the pride steps right in behind it. So, well, I'm my own person. I'm going to do it my way. You've got to be willing to stand, turn your back on your pride. Notice what the Bible says. He fell at the feet of who? What did he do? He fell at the feet of Jesus. When, when God asks us to do something, we need to follow his feet and say, Thank you, Lord, for giving me the privilege to learn and to do and to grow. I don't want to be like the rest of them. I don't, I don't want to be defeated. I don't want to be discouraged. I don't want to be the ones that fall back. He fell at the feet. You know, when you fall at the feet of Jesus, you know what you're telling the Lord? 
I want your will to be done. I don't want my own will to be done, Lord. I'm coming back. I mean, you healed me, and you took away the leprosy, and you take away the condemnation of sin, and you took away the, uh, 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 the life that could have, could have been destroyed. Lord, I'm falling at your feet for your will to be done in my life. In other words, you're not only going to learn his word, you're going to go to him and say, God, I need your help. I need your grace. This was not the end of this life for this individual. This was the beginning. Salvation is not the end of your life with God. It's the beginning. Thirdly, not only are you going to have to turn your back on your flesh, your family, your pride. This is a big one. Let me tell you this. You have to turn your back on half-heartedness. Wow. How many would be just honest this morning, just for a moment? And you'd say, Pastor, there's been times I've served God with half a heart. Come on, how many would say that? There's been a time I've served God with half a heart. I didn't really have my... I didn't really... I, I was in... I was there, but I really wasn't there with all of my heart. Guess what? Let me a little eye opener for you this morning. If you came and served God with a half a heart, then it was serving God in your flesh. Are you listening? Listen, we say, what are you talking about? Let me go back to what we're talking about. He asked, Where are the nine? Look around you, Christian. You wonder what happened to all the rest of the individuals that you started with, that you were in fellowship with. You say, what happened to them? You say, I'll never fall victim. Oh, yes, you will. Some of you already got your foot in the door. Some of you already head in the wrong direction. You need to ask yourself, Am I going to continue? If you're going to continue, it will, I promise you, it will be a work of faith. You're going to, I'm going to be faithful until the Lord comes back. I'm going to be faithful until death. I'm going to serve God with a right heart, a right mind. I'm going to be one of the ones that's not offended. I'm going to be a person that has the power of that humility upon my life. I'm going to be a person that has been willing to go it alone. Then you better be willing to see yourself as you really are. Say, why is it important? Because listen, those nine individuals, that is the norm. Are you listening? If you're the one, listen, please listen to me, Christian. If you are going to be the one that survives, then you're going to have to say, I have got to, by faith, be the exception to the rule, and only Jesus Christ is going to help me do that. I am, let me, let me just, we ought to make a promise to God this morning. Number one, dear Lord Jesus, I will not be offended, and I will not offend. Is that a good promise to give Jesus? I will not offend, and I will not be offended. Secondly, I will. By the grace of God, continue in humility. Recognizing what he's done, I'll never deserve, and I appreciate it every, every morning. I'm going to thank God. I'm going to glorify him. That he's not done with me yet, I'm going to verbalize it. Thirdly, you need to tell Jesus, I'll go along. I'm willing to go along. I don't care who else goes with me, but I will go along. 
My kids may not go with me. I'll go alone. My husband or my wife won't go with me. I'll what? The, some of the church folks are, are, are bailing out. I'm willing to what? I'm going alone. And when I do, I'm going to fall at Jesus' feet. And I'm going to say, Lord, I'm here for you. By faith, I'm here for you. But if you don't purpose to do that, how many think the Lord would want to hear from you this morning and say, Dear Jesus, the future of my family, the future of this church, the future of souls that need to be saved, rests with me. And the reason it rests with me is because I need to continue. I need to keep on doing what God's asked me to do. God wills that this church go, as I heard this morning prayed, God wills for this church. How many think God wills for this church to continue on? I know he does. And you know he does. How is it going to continue on without you or me willing? Say, Lord, I'm going to be one of the exception to the rule. Let's close in prayer. We'll stand. We're going to have an invitation. Listen, if you're one that sometimes you wonder, ah, Pastor, I've made so many promises to God. I don't think God ever gets weary with with a Christian. I can remember, let me just say this. I went to Bible college and 